care about losing all the money. It's losing all the stuff. Once upon a time. Later. Hey, it's Tardy to the Parties, but what are Tandos for the around? That was in English, but what are you going to do? This this podcast is no longer for newbies. Because, <laughs> like, every episode no. just starts with you going, I suppose it's boop. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Bing Crosby. Hey, hey, boop. Sugar Bear. Hello, Yeah, so. Well, you know what? After 300 episodes. Technically, only 299 episodes. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, I guess things would get a little mushy. <laughs> so, yeah. mm-hmm. and this being the 299th yeah. episode is freaking me out a little bit. But yeah. freak them out. But at least we're doing something cool. We're continuing something cool that we started a week, uh, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. We're gonna talk about Act Two of Into the Woods. Man, I was just watching this again last night. Which, yeah. of course, I would because we're gonna talk about it. I'd be yeah. an asshole if I. Well, though. I've watched this so many times, I don't, didn't really need to rewatch it, but... Yeah, I just yeah. watched this again last night, and even after gushing about the whole first act for an hour and a half, two weeks ago, this is still mm. a goddamn good little musical thing. Yeah, second act, I think this, I feel like the second act's better than the first. Yeah, and you also said that that's the half of the play that you've seen the most. Yeah. I'm probably the opposite, True. where I've probably rewatched mm. the first half so often, and then I get distracted before I fire up the second... Not that there's anything wrong with the second half. And also, they Not are... Not Bill Mudrin. I mean, we talked about this the last time, too, but they are two very different entities, yes. whereas the first act is very kind of self-contained, and it's just the fairy tales, and the fairy tales end happily ever after, and that's it. And like I said, when I first saw it, I thought that was it. And I was totally shocked and horrified to realize there was an act two. And, yeah, act two is a completely different beast where mm-hmm. it's 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 all the repercussions of everything that everyone did in the first act to fulfill their wishes comes back to bite them in the ass mm-hmm. and them having to eventually you know realize that they have to Man. deal with those repercussions and speaking of making yeah. decisions that bite you in the ass yeah i decided i should freshen up on the disney version of this oh, jesus christ what did that you do, is Ray? worse than I remember. Yeah, why, wow, that's bad. It is bad. That is one did of the worst. You watch the whole cast... thing. I just kind of flip through it. <sighs> I kind of sort of watched the whole thing. It was yeah. on. I would look at it, but I listened to the whole thing. You didn't that, have to buy is... it, right? At that... least it was just on Disney Plus, right? That is a terribly cast movie. Wow's a dowser. James, Co- not. I... I love Emily what? Blunt. Mm. But mm, and fucking Meryl St- is it? It is Meryl Streep, right? Yeah, remember how the the witch is uh, cursed to be old and haggard? <laughs> what if when she got young and beautiful again, she wasn't young any? She's she was just still gets just a different old. haircut. <laughs> she got her hair is blue now. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was so like I did the opposite. I did not. I I, I do not ever want to watch that goddamn live action i keep on calling you it the made live action the right version, choice i never want to see that piece of shit again but i did sit down and go through youtube and look at i did look up uh, actually just finished re-watching some of the stuff uh just five minutes before we started recording i looked up uh, some interviews from uh, right around the time uh, into the woods was still new of with uh, uh james sondheim uh, Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine, the two creators of mm. Into the Woods, uh, just as you know, just to see you know if they had any interesting insights about the creation of Into the Woods, and still nothing about the creation of Into the Woods. Uh, actually, the most interesting thing I did see there was like a 52-minute long thing. If you just type in like 
uh, Stephen Sondheim into the woods into YouTube is one of the first things to pop up. But yeah, it's a 52 minute long video of it's him and James Lupine both talking about them uh, essentially kind of writing, uh, talking about how the mechanics of some of the individual songs work. And I thought mm-hmm. that was just like a behind-the-scenes thing. No, it actually is part of a video they put together for other people to put on their own productions of Into the Woods where they're talking about, like, okay, if you do Into the Woods, these are the things we think you need to do right in order to make it, like, an actual appropriate retelling of Into the Woods. But, like, one of the things that they both of them kind of go into is, like, have fun with it! This play was meant to be stupid! You can go... F- you can... This, this... this... this is... We intentionally kind of designed this musical... Musical... So it could be scaled down, so it could just be, like... Just people in street clothes, or you could have this giant, beautiful production, and it will still work. And they were even <laughs> talking about in rehearsals... Uh, what they did was, the only costumes that the, 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 the actors wore... You know, they actually... You know, they are street clothes. But they just had baseball caps with their characters names written on them uh, in tape on on on, on the hat <laughs> nice. and they were like that was actually that actually worked so well you could just kind of do a production of into the woods like that and to hear all that and then then think about the terrible like 50 million dollar disney interpretation of it with fucking meryl streep and that just was so bad and have you seen james corden in anything besides that he, well cat? the first thing i saw him he was actually in a couple decent episodes of doctor who and that's actually that's I don't know if he was big in the UK before that, but that's that seemed to be where a lot of Americans saw him for the first time, including myself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, something about James Corden though is just you just want to punch the shit out of the motherfucker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> also, the, this is the two, the two great things I got from watching that video. Um, so last week I was all like, I don't want to point it out, but. The Chip Zine, Howard the Duck, playing the baker. He's kind of a New York Jewy kind of guy. He's kind of a George Costanza. Turns out that is intentional because they were like uh, the, the the baker and the, his his wife are supposed to be the main characters, and because they're supposed to be kind of like the audience insert characters a little bit because they're the you know the one character, uh, the one set of characters in the into the woods that the creators actually just made up out of whole cloth. They were like, yeah. well, let's make them kind of like. Real world, like they should be like kind of like at least the baker should be like someone from Brooklyn. That's that's all they phrased mm. it as someone from Brooklyn. I was like, oh, but that totally makes sense with that casting. And so of course they got fucking. Again, you don't have to cast someone just like Chip Zine to make that work. But like then they get fucking James Corden who can't sing and he has no charisma. And one of the, I the accents everybody's got a different accent in it. It's weird. Yeah. I can't stand the kid that played Jack because his he's so yeah. he's so thick and it's ugh it kills oh, it it killed it so bad like and his the uh, what's her name the one that played his mom um oh Tracy Ullman she is so mean and shitty in the she's movie she's just There's... awful because in the stage play. She's comic and she's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad because you get the feeling that well, she just kind she of coddles really cares Jack. About her son. Yeah, but then she coddles but, Jack. But, but in the movie, she's always like hitting him on the head and shit. Fucking asshole! And I don't know how much that was tra- traced. <laughs> and then, versus, uh. <laughs> then when she dies, she doesn't get hit on the head no? or anything. She just gets thrown to the ground, and that kills her. <laughs> oh, 
like yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 king's steward or whatever grabs her by the shoulder and kind of spins her backwards to the ground and that that kills her did you did they so show stupid. does anything bad happen to the steward in the disney version no they leave and they never come okay, back okay because i was kind of curious because at the end i was rewatching this again it didn't occur to me that at the very end of the play when everyone comes out to sing start singing the last song the whole first batch of characters who come out are dead characters like Jack's Jack's mother and stuff like that. But the steward comes out, and he never is shown as being dead. Uh, the, the, nah, I think you're. I think you're just reading. Uh, reading well, actually, well, I think I'll probably come back. The other thing I want to point out before I forget, the other big thing that that mm. that, that, that that got revealed onto my blazing eyes while watching this speaking mm. of Into the Woods thing was. Uh, fucking Sondheim, he's like, oh yeah, well, one of the things I had to do at the beginning, like, because the witch, even though there's always witches in all these fairy tales, the, our version of the witch is kind of like one character, is a con- conglomeration of all these different witches, witches from all these different stories, so she's essentially kind of like an original character, and so, but she has this original story about these beans from her mom and her mom's garden, all this stuff, and so there's all this exposition, so Stephen Sondheim was like, and so I wrote her a rap, and I was like, yes, he called it a rap. But that son of a bitch, Stephen Sondheim, I'm going to go break his fucking knees because the first thing he says after that, he says, but it's not a rap. It's a pattern. And I don't know what the fuck a pattern is, but he's like, no, she's just saying things, but we kind of fashion it like a rap. And I'm like, God damn fucking, I hate the world. Because you were the one who, who was like, no, it's not a rap. And I was like, I know it's a rap. And you're like, no. So we were both right. So fuck the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, however you want to look at it. Though. Yeah. Um, and I guess also, too, because I guess a lot of people were like, oh, that's the, fr- the, the, the witch's rap at the beginning of Into the Woods is the first rap in Broadway. And I guess even then, Stephen Sondheim was like, A, that's not a rap, and B, he considers the first rap in Broadway to be the opening number from The Music Man. When all the, um, the when they're on the train, and they're going, da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba. So, fuck the world. Harold Hill, Harold Hill. Exactly, 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 yeah. Which I had to look it up, because I was like, is he, and I was like, I guess, if you've never heard rap before, you can consider that a rap, just because it's people talking syncopatedly over a beat, but like, yeah. Anyway, so, well, I'm sorry, you were saying stuff, I interrupted. I don't remember, man, I was complaining about the Disney movie. But yeah, the Disney version. What else? Fucking James Corden. So yeah, that's, and just... I can get it. They're like uh, the whole point of the thing of them saying in the video I saw. They just they were saying you could do whatever you want, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like the one production that could afford to do whatever it want just made the lamest possible choice at almost every turn. Aside from casting Chris Pine as one of the as one of the princes, but that's about the only good thing they did because he's the only one that knew what kind of movie he was supposed yeah, to be in. Yeah, because he seems to be having fun. Yeah, and you got fucking. And... Everybody else took it deadly serious. And they get some random little girl to play Red Riding Hood, which is fine, she whatever. She was fine. She was um, fine. And of course, the most... Pro- th- this is the thing that even before you knew the re- anything else about the movie is the fight. When they knew his birth, they got Johnny Depp to play the fucking wolf. The most Why is he wearing a zoot suit? He's and I I remember reading the trivia about that. Was, of course, it was Johnny Depp's idea that he wanted to dress up like little uh, the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood, or what's the um. What's the wolf zoot suit? Little Red, the sexy Red Riding Hood thing from Tex Avery. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Hot Riding Hood. And he's like, I want to dress like that, even though it makes no sense. 
I mean, granted, everything in the in in the production we're talking about is also still kind of a hodgepodge. And you can tell he's a wolf because he has ears. They didn't even make him look like a wolf. That's so, I hated it. He's not a wolf. He's a guy in fucking bad Cuphead cosplay. It's not even like and like even the ears don't even look like they're trying to make it look like real wolf ears. It just looks like a furry hat someone bought at a convention. And of course, he just he's not and he can't sing. And it's fucking Johnny Depp because he's old pickled fat Johnny Depp. So he has no energy, and it's just like fucking, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's no good. So, it's no good. It's no me gusta. No. Don't, and you were the one pointed out that last week they, I misremembered. I thought the baker's wife gets squished by mm-hmm. the giant. No, you pointed yeah. out that actually, with at least in the version we were watching, she gets killed by a tree that's knocked over by the giant. How yeah. does she die in the movie version? She goes to the edge of a cliff, and you see her hand try to. Gr- yeah, it's a slow motion close up oh, of her geez. hand trying to grab a branch. So they didn't even the balls. Her, to... So and and wait, then her hand leaves the screen, and you don't see her fall or oh, anything. So it's totally it's just, just like a, totally implied. And then she's and like all I all I remember about that thing is other than the shitty casting and the fact that it's all kind of like dingy looking photography, is that they sucked all the humor out of the goddamn play because all the jokes they take out, like even the part where like, like, uh, I even pointed this out the last episode where there's even big dramatic moments that within the Broadway production, do you think he could ring for dramatic, um purposes but they play it for laughs like the scene where rapunzel she weeps her tears into her prince's eyes after his eyes have been gouged out by the thorns and in the play it's a total gag but in the movie they make it all like oh everything's so they're so but they make it they make it so emotional and so good but then they also try to have their kicking you too yeah it's like your hair. Yeah, it's... I like it, but it doesn't land because they made it so serious with her weeping into his eyes, they and want it's not clear what sense, happened. Yeah, they want to keep the sense of humor, but they're morbidly afraid that no one's going to take this fairy tale logic seriously. Or at least the original stage production that we're watching has the confidence. And again, the, I mean, again, the stage oh. production benefits from the kind of agreed thing between the production and the audience, where you know it's an artifice, the artifice of Broadway in a live production. That you know you you're not you're not you're not you, the 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 movie or the pr- stage production is never good never thinks it's gonna actually trick you into thinking all that stuff is real. Whereas with movies with the worst kind of filmmakers, they seem so worried that you're like about you not taking it seriously that like they make really just weird and random creative decisions like that. Like they're terrified of people not taking the fairy tale t- tale stuff seriously, so they have to take it. So they have to make everything super literal and dramatic, even though when you could play with it some. And again, you don't have to do everything just like this production did, but you could still play with it and do interesting original things. And no, it's just fucking. One of the. Hmm. <laughs> We'll we'll talk about the actual play. Yeah, this is yeah. We should talk about, about the Disney act too, and not just about everything we hate about the. We will. We will. Rob Marshall the, version. It's like it's like it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Uh, the first. The, and I've only the, seen the movie version the one time I saw it, like the, bootleg. Having James Corden be the narrator. Oh, is he the narrator too? Because that's yeah. oh, because I mean, yeah. which that kind of makes sense because the whole movie that would bookend the thing about you know because it ends with him telling yeah, the tale. Yeah, telling his tale. But it's but. still just. It's not, it's still not as clever as the movie th- seems to think it is. No. Where it's like, mm. um, but the, the, when I n- remembered that the, how bad it was was when the witch just comes out and explains when you first meet her that hey, my mom put a curse on me, making me old and ugly. 
there's because no the beans got taken anything. from my god no i mean there there's the sun too but that doesn't get revealed until late in the first act yeah and but here they very like one of the very first things she says is i look like this because of oh, my mom really? put a curse on me because she took i took the he took the beans I yeah i wonder if there's a dramatic reason for that or if they were just like we can't leave they anything to the imagination. Don't, I don't we think don't they, trust the audience. Yeah, they don't yeah. trust the audience. The audience and is I, stupid, so we have to. Yeah, the dad's not in it. Real at the first act at all. He only show he only shows up to uh, for James Corden, I guess, to imagine him when he's running away from his family, and then. I mean, thankfully, James Corden doesn't get to sing the song uh, that well, he sings with his dad. I mean, it's but, a good thing that got. But rid also, of he the... just weeps and then goes back. So <laughs> I was gonna say, well, that, so it's a good thing they get rid of the narrator because you don't want that pesky character turn that in which the entire play turns around, where Jack or uh, the baker meets his the ghost of his dead dad in the forest and mm -hmm. is finally convinced to turn back and actually fight the giant with everyone else in town. Because that's only the emotional and crux that... of the entire place, so <laughs> it's a good thing they removed Jack's dad's ca character. And re do they still have that song somewhere? No, the... that no. song's completely gone. Jesus, H fucking Christ! I mean, mechanically, oh, the, the tune that's is not there. even just a style. The tune, the, I'm sure they have the, the yeah. The tune is there when he's weeping ah, before going back that to his baby, but. If anything, if that's just gonna drive people who know the play crazy because I, you're like, okay, well they're playing the the background okay. music, but they're not. Fuck. We'll, we'll move to the actual play after I ask it's, this it's question. Like if, finishing this. It's like you if you remade Return of the Jedi, and when Luke Skywalker finally d loses his mind and decides to try to flip out and kill Darth Vader, if they just took that scene out, but then the scene where Luke Skywalker turns to Darth Vader and says, you know. You weren't a very good father. But they're playing the super dramatic music from the scene where he, like, finally tries to kill Darth Vader under yeah. it, and you're like, what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. I, this is, we'll move to the play. Yeah. But my, the, the final question I want to ask about the movie is, who was it for? Yeah, that's... Well, that's... There, there I cannot figure out for the... Because it's not for people new to it, because they'll just be confused and yeah. baffled by the story, and because it, it's not told well, and stuff's left unclear. It's not for fans of the play because they did a bad job of it. I don't know who it's for. I mean, it really is it, the product of too many, too many cooks in the kitchen where everyone's like, Disney just wants to do it just because... Well, I mean, obviously they just wanted to make Into the Woods because what fucking... What's the thing that kickstarted the whole thing? Was the success of Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland? Suddenly had everyone in Hollywood saying, Oh, well, God. Also we need it, it was also I I I, could, I would have sworn that this came out after it but this or yeah before it but this came out after Les Mis so I think they were also on a hey people like musicals kick no because Les Mis kid, got a yeah what, like got a bunch of Oscar nominations the kid that plays like that. Jack is the one that's on the oh, back of yeah. his saying I am oh yeah my name oh pussy Talked about Lee Miz on the podcast before because it feels no, like we've because had a I'm not gonna watch that because I I am a fan of the actual musical and God. I feel like I would just be mad and again because I think I in fact actually I could see Lee Miz totally impacting that uh, that adaptation of Into the Woods negatively because again they're trying to go for more dramatic stuff and they're, they're probably somebody's I'm sure there's an executive there like who's like worried about like oh we gotta we gotta get those titanic fangirls involved too so like yeah when rapunzel <laughs> weeps into the eyes of the prince instead of being funny it should be sad just like rose crying over jack and i'm sure 
I was sure Into the Woods was simply the voice of 3,000 executives yelling at a hack director who was already making bad decisions and even pulling that dire that, 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 that project in even, even more directions than it could sustain. And just yeah. like, yeah, and then in, in the end is like, you can you can understand the genesis of that thing was like, oh yeah, Disney just wants to cash in on, on the success of Les Mis and the live-action Alice in Wonderland <laughs> remake from Tim Burton, but then... The execution of it, they, they chose a bad director, and then the executives, I'm sure, muddled, had their own notes and shit like that. And so in the end, you're just like, yeah, it's just like this fucking freakish monstrosity where it's just, well, who, yeah, who was, what is this? Who was this for? It's, it's, it's a movie that was the product of, what's the thing where you draw on a piece of paper and they hand it to someone else and they draw their own part on it, and then in the end, you just end up with a monster? Oh, That's what that feels like. Yeah. Which, hey, it's almost like the Star Wars sequels. <laughs> oh, and this is the other thing. This is my other point with... This is, I think, not to go off. We need to talk about the actual thing and not things about yeah, the yeah. We'll but my big thing about the Star Wars sequels about how badly they were handled, I always thought that like if they needed a model to work from in terms of like coming up with good Star Wars sequels, like, needing to come up with the story of whole class, Into the Woods is the perfect model they should have used because Into the Woods has you know has this great first act where it's like all these characters, you know, they wrap up their fairy tale stories, but then the second act is all about like an organic outgrowth of things that they did in the first act. They done that with the Star Wars sequels, I think would have made for a more cohesive story. Not that the Star Wars yeah. sequels aren't all fucked up because you already had the terrible. Hey, well, I'm just throwing that out there. But that's something I thought of a think about a lot in terms of just storytelling and things when I'm watching Into the Woods and how other people have taken lessons from different storytelling things and that. But so anyway, Into the Woods Act Two later. Ta-da. Later. Yeah. I like that 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 the first act mirrors the start of the the second yeah. act mirrors the start of the first with it, and they. They still aren't happy with their happy endings. They, they're still wishing it's, for more. It had been a while since I've seen the second act, and I forgot how dissonant the music is at the start. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to do blow, 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 because last, last, the last one we talked was more of just a general, just miasma of just. No, just I thoughts. took I took notes. You did as take I notes, went, okay. but I didn't. But I didn't take blow by blow. Um, but yeah, I forgot. Like, cause, I mean, the reprising. It's just the reprisal of the, the 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 music from the first act of the beginning of the first act. But like, yeah, the music's just a little more sour, and like even yeah, everything's just off note a little bit, which is a great way because you're setting up the idea that like, this is you're showing everyone their lives after the events of the first act, but now everyone's just. A little, still a little unfulfilled, and that's going to drive everything else that happens in the rest of the play, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy till that witch gets her garden stepped on by the giant. Uh, yeah, so that's what, yeah, so she comes in, and mm -hmm. she's, yeah, which that creates, that's, like, I love even, like, they recreate, they recreate the order of who's communicating to who at the beginning, because then it's, like, oh, okay, it's the witch showing up at the baker and the wife's house again. And it's she's going off about her garden, but now it's because it's being destroyed. Um, one last question about the live-action Disney version: mm -hmm. What happens to the witch at the end? How? Where does she go? Because this into is something the that ground. I, into the ground. Did they yeah. explain why she goes into the ground? Not really. Just as an, come. Uh, she sings to her mother, "Punish me again." The way. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, which that Give me that claws line. Give a hunch, just away from. The... Yeah. I was surprised because I was reading about how, uh, different uh, changes people had made to the play over the years. And I guess it has become customary. They've essentially put an addition towards the end of the play now, which actually in retrospect makes sense. I'm kind of surprised it's not in here. Is that I always forget what happens to the witch in this because she just kind of vanishes and never comes back mm -hmm. until the last like song when everyone's singing. 
And so I was like, yeah, she, the, the, the queen never really gets a tidy bow on top of her story. She just literally just kind of like vanishes away from the, from the story. I guess the change a lot of people have made is that at the end when she loses, because the very end of the play is turns into the four remaining heroes, uh, the baker, Cinderella, Jack, and Red Riding Hood just all blaming each other for stuff. And the witch finally goes, what yeah. the fuck's wrong with you? You guys are all fucking assholes. And her last big musical moment in the play is like, she's like, I get, yeah, that's when she sings the Give Me Back My Hunch. Like, and she's mm -hmm. throwing away whatever bean she has left. And in well, the version we're watching now, she just kind of disappears in a puff of smoke and that's it. In other versions that uh, are now put on, <laughs> you hear this horrendous voice come up from beneath her saying, the beans what did you do to the beans and it's the voice of the witch's mom and the witch's mom's corpse erupts from the ground and grabs her and drags oh. her underground and kills her and that's the end of her story which and watching it with that knowledge again second last like you can kind of infer that's kind of because she does say like i like like yeah punish me again like you did last time and she just kind of vanishes but it's left but like the idea that they really do specifically like put up like it's still like left uh, the audience to imagine like what the hell is the backstory of the witch and her mom in these beans and why does her mom care so much for, about these beans after she's dead and it's kind of an i guess it's kind of a nice counterpoint to cinderella's whole story about her mom and her grave and stuff like that too but like i was like that would have been cool as hell to see peters dragged underground by a zombie mom but yeah. Yeah, and that would have been a cool, nice change to make to the movie. That would, and that, that would have totally benefited. But no, of course they didn't. She doesn't have fine anyway. Monkey pants. So yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that would have been. I don't know if that would have been <laughs> cool to see because it probably it wouldn't hold up. I don't think watching it now. Yeah. Because it's you know eighty special effects as stage. Well, special and that's why I was also asking about who shows up at the end of the like, because also and I guess others like so at the very end too, right before the it's actually the start of the last musical number. You have all the characters who have died over the course of the story, like Jack's mom and everything, come out and, and sing stuff. And then you have Cinderella's, her stepsisters come out, and they, they're like, they're giving their last moral of the play, and they're like, w w when deciding to go somewhere, know how to get there, and eat first. And the insinuation is that they're supposed to be dead. The idea is that when they left screaming from the kingdom at the beginning of Act 2, they just run, went out into the wild just to escape, but they, like, starved and died. And so that's why they're among the ghosts of all these other mm. characters at the end. And I guess now in, in productions now they also make that more clear that they they yeah, they are dead, and that the real only survivors are just yeah uh, the the baker Cinderella and, and stuff. Anyway, and that's also why the witch comes out because she's supposed to be dead too, and she you know, tells the whole moral of the children will listen and stuff. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. I'm just scanning through my notes that I took. Giant has a brain. It is a great because yeah. she also redoes the rap too. Because then she gets a rap about manticores, and usually they're linked. And there's a whole bunch of yeah, I, yeah. It's 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 and it's still funny even though things are kind of yeah. getting sad and scarier. Um, yeah. And so yeah, the baker. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what the story. The ba so the baker and his wife do have a kid. Um, mm -hmm. It's never left up to explain why it took the giants 
So, okay, so the story of the second act, again, in case you've never seen Into the Woods, and for some reason you're just listening to us talk about Into the Woods, it's, I guess it's like nine months later, yeah, the baker and his wife have a kid, and... Jack. Unless it's the movie, because as soon as the curse is lifted, she gets super pregnant. Oh, she does. And they say, <laughs> and they say, "Wow, that was fast." I guess you need to, yeah, you have to do the artificial time skip. But and uh, one of the things we ne- neglected to mention in the first half, when I forgot what's happening, but Cinderella is talking to the baker, and she finds one of the magic beans, and Cinderella casts it off over her shoulder. I think even the baker says, I really wish he wouldn't do that. Turns out that bean that Cinderella throws over her shoulder turns into a second beanstalk that then the wife of the giant that Jack killed in the first act climbs down to exact vengeance upon everyone in, in this village. Because no, just like, Jack. Oh, just Jack, that's lo- what it is. Yeah, yeah, but she lost her glasses, so she's having trouble finding them. <laughs> Which, actually, in the stage play, it's great, because Jack does find, like, half a busted pair of glasses, giant pair of glasses, and mm-hmm. it's just a great big dumb prop. Uh, and yeah. like he's messing with it. No one ever calls any attention to the fact that he's playing with like half this giant pair of glasses, but it's great. And so, yeah, so really most of the play is everyone just freaking out while trying to look for Jack so they could voice Jack off to the giant and save the town. But the giant does end up smashing up the castle and the, everyone's homes and uh, the mom and grandma of Red Riding Hood die. Um, yes, everyone living at the castle is driven out of the castle. Uh, the prince goes looking for Cinderella, while the rest of the world... has really bad PTSD. Rapunzel shows up for ten seconds. Does she actually even show up in the second act, or is it just like... Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. So it turns out she... Yeah, she has super bad... the, The second act is when, um... Uh, Bernadette Peters tells her, I was just trying to be a good mother. That's the thing, because, yeah, it turns out that, like... Rapunzel's in, like, I guess since the first act who, like, wandered in the desert and had a couple of twins. Yeah. And she's lost her mind. Mm-hmm. And I think they only communicate for that little bit. They have that, one, like, pretty much right after uh, Bernadette Peters has that joke about, like, I was only trying to be a good mother. I guess Rapunzel runs off and is immediately squished by the giant no, wife. She just runs off at that point again. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Get squished later. But that's the last Not meaningful communication much, we see between yeah. the uh, prince is out looking for her. That's what it is, yeah. And mm-hmm. God, why are the baker? Oh, so everyone's so yeah. Jack is the baker. Rich. The baker and his wife go back out into the woods to help Red Riding Hood find her grandma because she doesn't know her grandma's house is also destroyed. That's what it is, yeah. And they, it's dangerous to go alone. And. But then they end up looking, once the giant shows up, and the, they kind of spend the rest of the play, the rest of the act looking for Jack. Yeah, because if the witch finds her first, Jack doesn't have a lot to do, to that because the whole point is that he's off screen, and everyone's looking for him. And mm-hmm. so, but like, yeah, there's the whole thing about how um, his mother ends up traveling with the royal family, and then they end no. up... No. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> no, so... Um... Eventually, uh, the our main characters, Red, the baker, the baker's wife, run into um, the uh, stepsister, stepmother, and this Princess Stewart, and yeah, that like, the castle's been sat upon by a giant. And while they're all talking, the giantess shows up, and um, they she talks about you gotta get Jack, so. That's when they break the fourth wall and give it the, give her the narrator. That is such a... Man, I think that's the moment I truly fell in love with this goddamn play. Watching yeah. it for the first time. Because that fourth wall break, 
and <laughs> just the staging of it is so effective because you know the narrator comes out and he's like, hey, well, when you look at the you know the, the the ramifications of what's happening in this sociological situation, it's interesting. And the way everyone like the camera pans out to show that the characters are actually recognizing the narrator and they're looking at him like hungry wolves at a feast. And he and the narrator kind of turns around and is like, what? And I'm like, oh shit, no, 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 you're not drawing me into your bullshit. And like, yeah, what's the I, of course, Bernadette there's, Peter's always fantastic, but he's like, there, there's, there's, there's always got to be someone to tell the tale you can't kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us don't like the way you've been telling it. And that's, she's like, just looking at her nails and kind of like, it's just such a great, Bernadette Peter's, I love you. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. That could have been her only moment in the whole play and it would have still been yeah, Tony so, Award worthy, but yeah. So they all decide, yeah, no, we can't give it give him to the giant but then Bernard appears like oh no here he is and throws it to the giant and the giant just is like this isn't him and throws him down and he goes <laughs> squish and then everybody's like well nobody's here to tell the story so we're basically we're bones yeah everyone is extra and i do like that even the characters they like they like they they fess up to the fact that they're fairy tale characters like we, we don't know the story of our own story anymore so we don't know what the hell to do yeah which i thought was mm-hmm. and also again i hadn't seen this in a while uh because everything with the giant is done off 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 stage like the characters are always yeah. just staring off into the corner like high up in the sky pretending that there's a giant just right off quote unquote right off camera but like so like they have to kind of pantomime like pretending to watch the giant interact and do things and <laughs> when they 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 feed the narrator the giant well not feed because she doesn't eat them but they get like just the, the witch voice the narrator after the giant yeah, you hear her be like, ah, oh, this is the this is a Jack. Where's Jack? And I guess the giant throws the narrator to the ground. You don't see in this. You just but there is the sound effect of a dive bombing World War II plane when the narrator's body gets mm. thrown to the ground. It's such a such a dumb Looney Tunes Chuck Jones moment. I love that. That's the sound effect they want. Again, this play not afraid of, to, to being stupid as shit during incredibly dramatic moments. But like, yeah, yeah a fucking. But yeah, so also before that, uh, the the reprise of Agony happens, and that's always been one of my yeah, favorite because songs. So even though I know Cinderella, you don't she's much. run from the ca- castle because she oh the birds she, the fucking she, birds yeah the tell birds her. told her that you know, your mom's grave's jacked up so she oh yeah okay so the birds come to her twice in this thing well technically three times the first time it's say your great your, yeah your your mom's grave has been smushed so she's out there to to check out her mom's grave. And then the birds come out and are like, oh yeah, by the way, your prince is fucking other people. Mm-hmm. And then this. But is this all the second half where the fucking Red Riding Hood is like, you can talk to birds? Oh, it's it's That's when the, the birds come end, down yeah. and offer to peck out the eyes of the giant. Which is funny, because yeah. the Red Riding Hood, she had a whole musical number with a goddamn wolf. Yeah. But, yeah. Should it be bird people? If they had the wolf guy... If they had a wolf man dressed like a sexy wolf, shouldn't be sexy bird people come down to often? Oh, yeah, they gotta be sexy. Have huge <laughs> swinging dicks like the wolf, yeah. Exactly. I did see! I was looking at Broadway promotions for this play when it was brand new, and they either had a different, a second copy of the wolf outfit with without the big donger, or the big donger must have been like on Velcro that they just made it detachable because yeah on the tv commercials for this he does not have a giant swinging dick they just they what? kept that for the live show but yeah mm. um i do a lot love the fact they anticipated people maybe having problems with a giant anatomically correct not even anatomically correct because it's a wolf man there's nothing maybe, anatomically maybe, correct about that. maybe they were like hey 
Let's make a special one for when PBS films us, because <laughs> it's PBS. <laughs> in case of PBS, break glass, giant wolfcock. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, I've never seen it in any other production except the one, like, yeah, let's fuck up those Mr. Rogers-loving motherfuckers. <laughs> God, you know, nothing, you know, I would, I, I want to see that live-action adaptation of, of, of uh, The Kingdom of Make-Believe, where Daniel Trevor Tiger just has a giant three-foot donger. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's why Cinderella's out in the woods, because at first she's, yeah, uh, trying to attend to her mother's grave, but then, she, yeah, well, I guess that is what she's doing until she meets up with everyone else, but yeah, yeah. So and I, after the giant throws the narrator down and starts to leave, because they're like, we'll get the boy, and she's like, all right, I'll come back, and if you don't have him, I'm just going to kill all you. Yeah. She leaves, but as she's leaving, Rapunzel comes out. And the prince is like, Rapunzel, come on. And she runs away again. And the squish, squelch sound that she makes when she gets stepped on is so gratuitous and so over the top. I. Wow. It is. I have to admit, when I was rewatching this last night, I really wasn't quite paying attention. I had to rewind it because, like. I only caught on to what was happening in the scene when I looked up and I saw the reaction of the prince. And for as much as the princes are these campy assholes, the prince's reaction to that squish, too, is so, like, he's legitimately freaked out. Is that actually, well, that's Rapunzel's would. prince, right? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't, he just, he just runs off into the woods. He seems, he's completely aghast. Yeah. And that's when the witch, what's her reaction to that? That's when she, she has... She sings the, the more somber children should listen song. Yeah, because her... Which, going back to the movie version, it doesn't work because they don't kill Rapunzel at all. She just leaves with what? her prince. And they just... She leaves with her prince on the horse. You never oh, see her Jesus again. And then she sings the sad song about children should listen, which doesn't work because the whole thing is, you know, Rapunzel should listen to me and she'll still be alive. But she's singing this song, this sad song about how children should listen to this the ch- child that left her abuse it's so it doesn't work at all it, it makes fucking sucks. i mean <laughs> it made sense to gut the, the baker story because you know fuck the baker what also makes sense is gut the the whole story linchpin for the secondary character major character the fucking witch which it's only her song that is the point of the whole fucking musical, yeah. which is children will listen. Because her whole arc is, the reason she's so, essentially it's her ghost, if you want to assume she's dead and she was killed by her mom for throwing away the beans at the end. The final song, well not really because there's a whole reprise of the opening, but the, you know, the, 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 the last. Unless it's the movie version, which they just sing that over the end. <laughs> of course! <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I can't believe I saw this. This is how fundamentally I blocked it out. That like, oh my god! But like the whole, the whole emotional crescendo of the whole play is yeah the the uh and I guess the children will listen song is sung three times because the first time in the first act when she's just singing at Rapunzel and it's essentially yeah. establishing the relationship where she's she's singing children must listen because Rapunzel yeah. wants to leave the tower and she's like no you gotta stay and this is the second time she's like. Children won't listen. Well, no, that, that, that's what she's singing. She says, children won't listen. They will behave. They'll run off. And the third time at the end, she's saying, children will listen. Will listen. But, like, it's not It's not the children will obey, but, like, everything you do impacts other people, including your own children. And mm-hmm. even if you don't mean to, you will accidentally shape them in, in horrible ways if you're not careful, because the witch 
by locking Rapunzel up in a tower in her whole life, left her completely unequipped to deal with the, real, with the real world. So when she escaped, she just, like, yeah, lost her mind, ran off into the desert. On top of the actual PTSD she got from the actual, you know, mental abuse from her own. But, like, yeah, she, like, it's not until after the, the, the witch is dead that she realizes how horribly she shaped Rapunzel's life. And that's the point. Because the whole point of End of the Woods is social responsibility and your obligations to your children and how you impact other people, whether you recognize it or not. And <laughs> I'm so glad that they took that out of the movie because other... What the fuck? Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> oh my god. There's an interesting too. I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time too. If you look up on uh, YouTube, there's a great essay. It was about half an hour long called The Musical... The musical moral, musical moral of Into the Woods, where uh, the musician guy goes into an interesting, uh, a little half-hour essay about the beans theme in Into the Woods, and it's the little motif that accompanies the witch throughout this whole thing, and it's. Uh, Dun, 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 dun. I did talk about this last time. Yeah. And about how it gets inverted at the end. It's only when both the baker and the witch realize that they, you know, that they confront what they've done and realize that they have to fix things, even though mm -hmm. it only happens to the witch until after she's, I guess she's dead. But, like, that suddenly that melody gets inverted. Well, it gets slowed down for the... I'm jumping ahead here, but there's... That's fine. The You're, You Are Not Alone song. That that little beans motif comes back, but now it's actually calm, and it's actually good force, and it's no longer anx anxious or any weird or anything like that. And then for Children Will Listen, I think it gets reversed. I can't remember which, but, like, the, the motif gets played with. And, like, yeah, even if you're not listening to the music or anything, or listening to the what it, people are saying and stuff, the music, the, the evolution of that Beans theme tells you the story and the point of the whole story. If, yeah, so even subconsciously, even if you're not really paying attention to stuff, it's working. Which, that's why I love Into the Woods so much, because it has all those layers and textures, and, and because, like I said last time, because I'm such a big John Williams fan and grew up listening to motif-heavy music, the fact that Into the Woods is so rich with so many motifs that are being deployed in so many ways is just really fascinating. Again, just, yeah, so, anyway, monkey pants. Yeah, yeah, so, your <laughs> Punzo gets squished. Yeah, and it makes a good skeleton sound. Squish. Squish. Squ I love that squish. too. It's just a squish. And then she eats a bug. Yeah, and everyone else is. I think the baker's wife is like, we gotta move. Oh, and that's yeah, the big we problem. We are too. moving. That's, and that's. Because she wants to move, but her baker's like, no, I love our shitty house. It's it my, my dad's house. house, yeah. And which that doesn't become a problem for long because. They, so everyone decides to split up. They gotta go. Oh, and this yeah. is the thing that, like, what after Rapunzel dies, isn't that the part where the witch is like, everyone is like, we can't feed Jack to the giant, and the witch is like, you're not good. Is that when she goes into the year? You're not good. No. You're not nice. And she's no. like, I'm the only honest person here. We need to like feed that. We need to feed that kid to the giant. Or all, we're all gonna die. Like I'm yeah. the only one willing to con like confront that reality, which. Again, one of the reasons I love the End of the Woods. The most honest character in the whole goddamn story is the Wicked Witch. Doesn't necessarily mean she's like morally correct, but like she is the only one who isn't like eyes clouded by like arbitrary. Which is funny because like it's funny that the characters who 
are the least lacking in social responsibility are the characters the most beholden to social niceties. Like, they refuse to hand Jack over just because, like, that's not the thing you do. But mm-hmm. then, like, but they're not, when it comes to, when, when it really matters, they're not really waking to social, I don't know about stuff, but yeah. Oh, but, what happens next? And now, these messages. Once upon a time, a new musical popped up on Broadway and grew into a giant hit. Into the woods you have to go to get your wish, be careful though. Into the woods you never know what's lurking on the journey. Into the woods and down the dell where wolves and ghosts and witches dwell. Into the woods to lift the spell. To find the foot that fits the slipper. To chase the cow. To fetch the cake. To steal the hair. To, to go, go to the festival. Into the woods. Into the woods. Into the woods that are the woods. And don't be ever after. Call 246-0102. And now back to the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show. Well, without the narrator, thing gets really things get deadly and horny. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> no. This is mm-hmm. the sad point in the whole movie. So, what? Is, so the witch kind of just like she she sings her big song and wanders away and so everyone everyone else decides they go her and her husband the baker go in separate directions 100 paces go which this they, it's the last they time fight. they talk actually rewatching this again knowing it's the last thing well the everyone it's 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 was it red riding hood the witch and uh the red riding hood the baker and his wife decided they all need to go look for jack so they decide to split up jack or i keep on calling him jack i don't know the baker who has been coddling their son the whole time he's like i don't want to separate who's going to take care of the kid we need to stick together and his wife is like no we have to like buck up and get this shit done you she go says this the baby way. will be self the baby will be safe wet, red and he's like but what if and she's and he keeps him wet up to each response she makes yeah well, only a giant's foot stop your arguing, and then that's ironic because that's right essentially here. the last thing she says to him, and she and that's exactly what happens is that the giant foot does stop their arguing forever, and so and even like the the acting for again for a play that's like so goofy and funny, they're acting as he she scolds him, and, she, and that's because what she has to do to get away because he's such a needy son of a bitch, and then he mm-hmm. has and then she runs off and she's obviously super sad and crying and. And that leads directly into her meeting the prince, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. This is why, because I like the idea we're, like, trying to recreate the story of Into the Woods, like, after an apocalypse, and we're trying to piece together. Like, we're going to make a million dollars by pretending Into the world Woods is our thing. And, like, we're like, oh, yeah, doesn't that the scene where, like, yeah, she meets the prince, and the prince is super horny, and they fuck? Uh, but that's what happens. <laughs> um, She meets, it's, is it, it's Cinderella's prince, right? Because yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think Rapunzel's prince is a, is much of a factor in the rest of the story after Rapunzel. No, he's gone. He's gone. But the whole point is that because it's Cinderella's prince, anything can happen in the woods. Anything, and this is just it is genuinely lovely. Their whole thing about him just being he's all he's macking on her pretty hard. Mad respect for someone who's that got that much of an insta boner for Joanne Gleason. But he's all <laughs> like he's just trying to get on that shit. He's like I know you're a newborn. Your newborn mom, but mm, how you doing? He got he he loved him milfs, and mm. she's all flattered because here is this prince, and they do a good job setting up in the first half where, you know, every time the the baker's wife runs into Cinderella, she's like, I wouldn't want to run away from a prince. Are you crazy? Now she's here with that prince, and this prince is macking on her, and she's all like, she's flattered, like with everything else going on, she's like, <laughs> and 
and watching this too, I was like, do they actually fuck? I don't remember them fucking in this thing. And they start kissing, but then it cuts to another scene, which does give them the sense of time that you come back and they're just essentially putting their clothes back on after whatever it is that they have done in the woods. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and it turns out the birds are watching everything, which is weird. Oh, the birds, the dirty birds. The birds are really good at Cinderella. How do, how do you say your husband's fucking the faker's wife and bird? That was an interesting conversation. But yeah, they, they go to tell Cinderella, and Cinderella's all like, yeah, she's oh, devastated. Yeah. She joined, the baker finds Cinderella at her mother's grave, and they're all sad, and they get team up and go back and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, they and the, it's, it's, the, there's, the, there's not the a prince of, and the baker's wife finish whatever they were doing and yeah. split up again. Yeah. And then she starts counting her paces again, but the giant shows up, and she falls off the back of the stage with a scream. Well, first she sings her song. Which, that's her big... Which is funny, because it's not like... For a character who's about to die, you could just have her get squished right there. In terms of just mechanical use of... Moments in the woods. Yeah, she she didn't necessarily need this big number. But I think emotionally everyone's in love enough with the, the baker's wife that you need her to have one last... And it's so sad, too, because... She's such a great character with such... I don't know, funny thing, it's not like she's the character so great, but Joanna Gleason's so great as that character that it's great for her to have the song where she's like, the prince dallies off, and she's just trying to get her shit together. She's all about like... She's like, oh, will the prince come back to me? And she's like, no, get your shit together, lady. You've got the giants attacking the kingdom. You gotta go find the kid that the giant's after. You can't stop... You can't just be in the woods just, like, frolicking and, and jerking off about the prince. You gotta, like, come back to reality. Which just has this great song about, like... She's still kind of fantasizing, like... It, it, like, about, like, oh, it'd be great to have a prince for whatever. And while well, she's also like, oh, you have a baby for warmth, you have a baker for bread, and... Like, she's just still just, like, in the afterglow of having fucked the prince. And she's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a great thing, just coming to terms with that. And she finally knuckles down, steals down, and says, Okay, no, I gotta go get back to real life and mm-hmm. do my job. And that's the moment she just gets squished. She's a, the, the, the giant just shows up, and it's not like they even communicate. This almost seems like the giant just knocks over a tree and squishes the baker's wife, and that's it. She's gone. There's no great big goodbye. I mean, I guess that last song of hers itself is kind of a goodbye to the audience but like yeah yeah that's probably the coldest thing that happens in the whole goddamn play even though it doesn't come with quite as a gory squ- as squish as fucking Rapunzel Rapunzel. dying yeah yeah so man mm-hmm. what else uh, baker's gonna go look for her comes but before he can count off the paces to find her uh, the witch comes in with jack Oh, yeah, this is the first time Jack comes back since the beginning, yeah. Has her scarf, and he found This is the real end of the story right here. This is when the whole thing gets wrapped up, yeah. Yeah, like, where did you find that scarf? And Jack says, we found her. Her body was, like, under a tree. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So then they they all start, they decide they need to figure out the blame. They play the blame game. And this song sucks so bad in the movie. (laughs) You know how fast it is in the stage play, but it isn't my fault. I was given those beans. You persuaded me to trade a women cow for beans, and without those beans, there would have been no stock to get up to the giant in the first place. What if, instead of that, it was 
But it isn't my fault you was given those beans. You persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans, and without those beans, there'd have been no stop to get up to the giant in the first place. Are they even singing as much as just doing place. that, where they're just they, reciting it? Not even they like... slow it. It's uh, it's like they were I've... like, you guys are actors. You can't do it fast. We'll do it slow for you. It's slowed down so bad, <laughs> and it's it sucks all the life and I mean, frantic point, energy out of it. Why not it's just have awful. them sing it like that and just speed up the spe- speed up the film for. <laughs> for two minutes just at least yeah reading about again reading about the changes and stuff people have done to this it seems like it's a pretty consistent thing that like most companies will slow down that song just because no one else can really do that it's such it's 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 just so fucking rough but on it, those actors but it's also yeah sure for a live action thing sure um or, or a st- live stage thing sure yeah you're, you're not, but in the you're movie, not, no. you can play around but with like, in a movie. Can... In a movie, you can do whatever the fuck it's... you want with editing. I'm you think biggest... all those people aren't auto tuned to hell and back to get I'm... their voices to hit the yeah, notes that they you can't can hit? Come or on, do something. There's ways you can work your way around it. I'm the biggest defender of the idea that, like, because I, like, I you know, I, I, uh, like, I like lava, lava land. La La Land, <laughs> and I know so many people hate on La La Land, especially older people who grew up watching the old musicals and stuff, and they hate it because you got two people who could barely sing and dance, singing and dancing their whole way through a movie, and I'm like, what are you gonna do? You, you, it's it's a, it's it's hard to get stars for a major musical these days who aren't like you, 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 most people, most studios aren't gonna cast Broadway stars. They're gonna they're gonna cast actors who can kind of sing and dance, and you have to do 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 the best with what you can with what you got. But in that kind of thing, it's so scorchingly like that you have to have so many chops to pull off into the woods. Yeah, at a certain point, why are you even attempting this if mm-hmm. you have actors who patently can't even begin to do the job from numbers like that? And of course, you know, you just see the thing is just like, let's slow it down. But then, like, by slowing it down, it just loses the forward momentum of it because it's supposed mm-hmm. to be heady and angry and heated and by slowing it down it just becomes a lot of people just reciting words at each other it's no longer the argument that the stage version is and yeah, yeah so it's one of those things where you change the form of a song the song the function of the song changes and yeah, it and no longer feels right and then like the, the drama of mo- the moment of what's happening is lost and that's yeah, the, and then the story that... turns to mush that yeah. carries on with the last midnight of Meryl Streep trying to sing that, and it's blech, and it's just everything. Because it gets interrupted because, yeah, they're pointing fingers at each other for two minutes, and that's when the witch shows up. Is is that when she says, you're not right, you're, you're not nice, you're not yeah. right? And that's when you're she shows good, up. You're not good, you're not bad, you're just nice. She just gets tired of it. She's like, you guys, yeah. like, this is, like, we're the last survivors. You guys are still fucking fighting. I'm done. I'm out of this. Yeah, she throws down whatever magic bean she still had left throws down on the ground in the stage version uh <laughs> as soon as she throws the beans down everyone else is scrambling to go pick them up uh because they know they're just going to turn into more beanstalks and the last thing they need is more giants and mm-hmm. so they're crawling around their hands and knees and she's even like on your hands and knees you fucking assholes get yeah yeah fucking <laughs> scrambling. and then she's just singing and she just finally kind of just disappears into a trap door and yeah it's it's it is it is weird how in this production it's such a kind of nondescript ending for such a the most popular character in the whole production along with you know your most popular star it just kind of she just kind of yeah literally just kind of disappears there's no definite end that's why i like the idea so much of her being dragged to hell by her dead mom and that puts a nice bow on her story too and it also ties into you know the relationship between parents and children in this and that like 
yeah, I guess the, the the witch was a byproduct of whatever horribleness her mom was, and I don't know, but yeah, but that's, yeah, she just kind of vanishes, and then the four main characters are left, and they're just like, holy shit. Yeah, and then Baker's like, peace, I'm out of here, this shit sucks, I don't my blame wife him is dead, I'm all. out, yeah, you guys keep well, my baby, because he'll this be is cool all, with a princess. He's Adios. only found out that his wife died just like five minutes before all this happened, so he hasn't had a moment to process this, because the moment he finds out that his wife died is like, all this other, they started arguing, and shit's gone on, the witch just lost her goddamn mind and disappeared and so mm-hmm. this is the moment he has to yeah he just runs because he doesn't know what else to do it's just too much he's just yeah. overwhelming and he hauls ass i mean ass the witch the witch in her song says you're all liars and thieves like his father like his yeah. son will be too and, he's, and she's father. again she's not wrong like yeah. these people have all done horrible things to get their happy happy wishes fulfilled at the end of the first act and now, again, yeah, now that they have to face the consequences, they can't deal Everybody with it. Everybody but he Cinderella. Runs. Cinderella doesn't really do anything uh, yeah, I, bad. Sondheim points out in the making of thing, he's like, yeah, she doesn't necessarily, but she is, it's it's the fact that she's undefined. Because she goes out in act two, letting the prince make the decisions for her. Because her whole, the, the, her whole last song in the first act is like, what if I don't have to decide? I'll let, you know, she's, she's very passive. Mm-hmm. But in this one, she's... There's some kind of song they sing in later on this thing where she, you know, she finally sits down and says, I'll be, I'll take care of you guys. But yeah, uh, the, the next number is when Cinderella finally steps, steps up and she decides that she's going to, yeah, be responsible too. But, but yeah, so, but yeah, the baker runs off in the forest and yeah, yeah finds one last his, appearance the ghost and, of his dad and they sing about yeah. running away. Let's can, do it and run can away. The, can his dad sing? I can't tell because he's kind of he's he's this old man not quite singing he's not like belting out the song but he's like hello son can we do it <laughs> it sounds like almost like a uh, Teddy Ruxpin narrator just kind of like narrating his I, parts of the song I would but... guess he probably can but yeah. for this role he chose not but I like the fact that he's not That's singing he's just yeah. kind of like like I mean and it's just great because like the whole time he's been running around the place he's been fucking with the baker and he keeps on coming up with his weird little sayings confusing the baker like little morals and little quandaries and stuff and even then he just comes up and he's just like oh god i just had a point to say about bringing it up but but like i just left he's just like i'm sorry for being disappointing that's all we ever do and he's just like the nature of like we died and we leave but we don't and you know, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, especially us, we're the dead dad squad here, so of course, mm. you know, this number's gonna be a little, like, extra, extra little spicy for, for assholes like us, but yeah, there's just a lot of, and, and it, it, it's nice, too, because so many stories with a missing parent tend to skew so much towards, like, the whole thing's about a missing mom or a missing dad, and I like the fact yeah. that this is, the, the end of the woods is generally, it's about both moms and dads, both, like, stories being told from the perspective of the moms and dads in the case of the baker and his wife and the story like the legacies of the moms and dads who came before who are the parents of the characters now like the witches and the, the, the witch and her mom and and the baker and his dad now and so it's a little more holistic than 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 a lot of the the, the parents and child relationships that you see in other movies i like this is this approaches those relationships from a couple different angles and stuff and yeah, the dad is just like, yeah. What can we? What, how? How are we ever to know? No one, mm-hmm. like, the fact that we can't predict the future does not absolve us of taking responsibility for what we can do. Like, mm-hmm. and so you have to step up. You don't know 
you, by stepping up, you can't guarantee like a positive outcome and stuff, but you have to take hold of, the, of of your responsibility and just do what you can. And that's the whole point of the song. And it's it's and it's kind of funny because I could see like I almost kind of wonder if originally this was this was like the emotional climax of the whole story, but it's more like this combined with the children will listen song are the one two punch of the finale even though there's still the whole battle with the with the with the giant that comes in between this and the other song but it's kind of funny how the emotional climax of the whole story is like yeah bookended by these two these these two very emotionally cathartic songs yeah, and one is for the baker and the last one is is with the, the I guess the ghost of the witch um even though the, yeah this this production never really articulates that but yeah no it's just a great number and it's very quiet and I think mm -hmm. this is yeah the, the 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 music in here is driven by I think this is the song where the beans theme is being played backwards as a symbolism of like okay characters are now finally accepting responsibility and things will change for better or for worse but at least now there's been some kind of growth yeah, that's a good musical. It's or it's, yeah. a, it's a good number and a good musical, but yeah. yeah so. They, so he goes back to the group, and they got to make a plan for the giant to come back. Yeah. Cinderella talks to the birds. <laughs> that's love, when... They got a taste for pecking eyes out with their steps. I... They are going to do that Damn. again. It's the birds who kind of come up with the plan because they, they're like, because the baker comes back and he's like, okay, we got to do something about this, this giant. Everyone else is like, well, what do we do? And he's just like. <laughs> like what is the plan? That's when the birds come down for the third and final time, and they're like, "Yeah, we saw." I know. I think this is when they come down. They're like, "Oh, hey, Cinderella! By the way, your prince is fucking other people." And like, of course, the the, the baker doesn't know that. Like, they're talking about his wife. But yeah. the, the, I do love the Cinderella's like, oh, that don't that don't doesn't care. matter now. And then she's like, "Oh, but you can know, uh, thank you, birds, for offering to pick out the eyes of this giant." Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, with that in hand. That's when. Jack and everyone else comes up the plan. Like, we'll go hide up in this tree. Smear the um, ground with pitch. Yeah, we'll grab... A I'm surprised that the Cinderella doesn't offer the pitch because the whole point... Like, pitch was such a big part of her first act story. I'm surprised she's not like, oh, okay, in the storehouses at the castle, we have pitch. Yeah. But no, I guess Red Riding's house. I guess this gives Red Riding Hood to do because she's like, oh, back at our smashed up house, we've got pitch. So we'll go get that pitch. Spread her all We'll spread all the ground. We'll make it so the giant will can't move. And while the giant's blinded and stuck, uh, fucking Jack and okay. the baker. Fucking hit him in the head. With, I it guess they just get a couple clubs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a plan as much as just, I mean, it's a plan, but <laughs> militarically yeah. speaking, it seems a little vague, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what, but they do it. I mean, they, they, they come up with a plan and they execute it on them pretty quickly. <laughs> in, in the movie, <sighs> they got slings and they throw rocks at the giant and that kills her. <sighs> I guess because that's less violent than I than just guess. jumping on his shoulders and just beating it, caving its brains in with the clubs. I guess. I guess. Oh, God. Anyway, they, they, the least they actually show the giant in the movie version, right? Yeah, it's just some old lady. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, they leave to do the plan. Cinderella stays to watch the baby. Prince Charming shows up, and she's like, "Ew, gross." Yeah, and that's but when you get. He was raised to be charming, not that's sincere. and that's the big boom, 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 and. And they do. That is a very nice. And I guess this is the emotional turning point for Cinderella. It's kind of it's kind of a shame that Jack and Red Riding Hood kind of get shorted a little bit because they're kind of turned into children at the end of the story. They, they like even though they've both been their own characters throughout the rest of the story, 
they're both kind of demoted at the end to just kind of being support characters for Cinderella and uh, the baker. Uh, so they don't, neither of them get like a big cathartic moment at the end like Cinderella and the baker do. But so this is big Cinderella's moment and I do like the parting moment she has with the prince where he's like, I'll always be in love with the woman who ran away. And she's like, I'll always be in love with, I forgot how she states it. But, and she also says that, like, I wasn't happy when I was living at my horrible father's place, and I wasn't happy when I was living with a prince in a castle. I need to find something in between, which that becomes mm -hmm. a plot point in just a bit. And, but they, they, like, it's never discussed exactly, like, does that mean she and the prince are getting a divorce, or what's going on? But, like, they're obviously their relationship is either ended, or at least they seem to be emotionally separated now, at least. Who knows? But, like, that's not the point of the story, but, like, that's them going now their, their separate ways, uh, both within the story and emotionally speaking. But, yeah. Um, yeah, always that, like, oh, that's an underrated moment I always forget about. And especially watching this the first time, all this stuff was just totally lost on me, because I was... Completely overwhelmed by how emotionally sophisticated such a stupid, fucking funny, stupid story it was the first time I was watching this. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So he, she says, consider her a victim of the giant. And he yeah. Knows. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Red comes back and her granny's gone too. So. Oh, that's how she finds out she's all alone now. So yeah, because yeah. her granny and mom are dead now. But she's so got the gotta, pitch. They gotta kill the giant. But Red's like, isn't a giant a person too? And Cinderella's like. Pfft. No, <laughs> she's a giant. I... She's done a lot of bad. That's interesting too. Coming from, coming from Red Riding Hood, who was easily the most bloodthirsty character in the whole story, and that's another thing. Hearing Sondheim talk about, uh, they wanted to do Red Riding Hood, but they were like, man, it's just really boring. If Red Riding Hood's just like this, like super wide-eyed, innocent girl the whole time. It was like, no, it'd be great. That, like after she runs into the wolf, she becomes the most bloodthirsty, violent, capable killer in the whole story. So it's interesting at the end now, she's the one who's like, when presented with this person who has just killed her mom, she's like, but that's a, still a person. And like, it was, it was, it's, I mean, it's still, she's only killed wolves. But I, I love that even Red Riding Hood, who's the most capable A wolf's killer. not the same as and, the wolf's mother. And yeah, that's, I think, I think that's what the witch says earlier in the story. Like, yeah, that's why I was mother. quoting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I heard huh, that's huh. from a play of her called In uh, the yeah. Wood. <laughs> Bill has a total disassociative moment here. Um, but And that kind of leads into a little bit of a song that's coming up here too where uh, they keep on saying, we are not alone, you are not alone. And they even talk about people who are not on your side, they're not alone. And, mm -hmm. like, like, and this is kind of threads into that a little bit even though that's just a little bit at the end of that song. And I, but I love they even pay just the fact that like even people were out, out to fuck you up like they have these stories for them too it's not just there's no moral objectiveness to any of this it's all just like everyone just flust, flusters through life the best they can and everything's relative but mm. anyway so but then the wolf, giant shows up well jack can't wait to tell his mother that he killed the giant and the baker's like oh man oh, this yeah. is awkward and this is Another emotional climax, too, where, like... And I do love that the Baker has no easy answers. Even though he's had his emotional... His his emotional catharsis and everything like that. And you kind of see the development. This, I guess, it didn't even occur to me until now. I guess this is laying track for what's going to happen at the end of the play. Where, essentially, the Baker and Cinderella become the mom and dad 
to Jack and the Red Riding Hood, again, with, with those characters becoming kind of childrenized, even more than they had been for the rest of the, in the rest of the play leading up to this. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, Jack's like, I'm going to go kill, uh, like, oh, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, because it's, it's the baker who has to tell Jack, like, oh, your mom did, she got, <laughs> this, she tried to pick a fight with a giant, the steward accidentally killed her, and then Jack's like, after we're done killing this giant, I'm going to go kill him, and then Jack's like, no, you can't do that, and again, or the baker's like, oh, no, you can't do that, and again, with the baker just being like, he has no answers, but he's just like, it's not socially acceptable, you can't just go off killing people really willy-nilly, and Jack says, like, why not, and he's like, you can't, and I just love the flustered exasperation of the baker, but he's like, you can't, stop asking me all these questions, just believe me, you just, it's not morally right to just go randomly murdering people in revenge. And I'm surprised that the play doesn't make, draw any kind of connection between that and the fact that, like, the giant's trying to kill Jack for revenge for him killing, like, like, they, they could have made a note of, like, the circle of violence that is going on here. At some point, the killing's gotta stop, otherwise everyone's just gonna kill each other until there's no one left in the world. Mm-hmm. But they never take that step, and it's just like, I can't remember exactly how that conversation between Jack and, and the baker ends. They but... they go they go into the uh, someone is alone you are not alone song. Oh, is that is this is the beginning of the yeah. we? Oh yeah, you're you're not yeah. alone, and which gets picked yeah. up. I guess this is the first half of that song because then they actually the giant does show up and they just yeah. kill the giant. And, and I do <laughs> the birds really and the, the battle of the giant is really it's almost anticlimactic, but I do love the birds show up and just pick out the eyes and. Yeah, just, uh, and she just, falls over and they throw a giant head on giant <laughs> head, head on the stage. It's so awful. It's so abstract. It's hard to even tell what you're looking at. I guess yeah. it's the back of a lady's head with like a hair bun, like mm-hmm. falling down on her shoulder. <laughs> and like yeah. that that prop is huge though. It must have taken up like half of the backstage of that like with especially with all the costume changes, I'm sure everyone had to keep on like running around past that giant prop that they're waiting to deploy at the end of the uh, the musical, but like it looks awful, but I kind of love it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the giant is finally dead. And then all the cast members come out and say it's shit, except for Rapunzel, who just sings. <sighs> yeah. Also, this is the part where it seems like most all the dead characters from the story comes out, and it's funny too because Rapunzel comes out, she sings, she sings the first few notes of the Beans theme, then ah, but she doesn't quite finish, and then everyone just laughs because it's so. They're 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 even suggesting that even in death, she's still kind of a space cadet. And yeah, and that that's when you have like Jack's mom comes out and she's she's like the slotted spoon can't catch the soup, but it can catch a potato. And the steward, which I guess you can assume died in starvation with the rest of Cinderella's family, uh, is you know, he's he's got a moral. He's like oh the, the something about hitting something, which I guess is tied to the fact that he killed Jack's mom and stuff. But yeah, they all come out and then they still do the rest of the song where. Yeah, the baker doesn't know what it to do. He's he's got to be father and mother. And yeah. The, the wife is in the background telling him he's not alone, calling the child and whatnot. And uh, he it's, tells it's, him a story, and then uh, that's the sweet moment where he says, "Like once upon a time, there was a baker and his wife, yeah. and be yeah, careful the things you with... say. Children will get listen, guide them along the way. Still, they will uh, yeah. listen. All that stuff." But but from a plot perspective, Jack is like, "I don't know what to do. My mom's dead, and I guess he's now." Well, I guess the steward is dead, so he doesn't know the steward's dead, but, like, I guess yeah. he's given up on his idea of killing the steward. But then he's like, I don't know what to do, and then... And Red Riding Hood's like, I'll be your mother now. And, which kind of fits, because she is a kid, so she has that stupid idea. And then, is it that the, the They'll Jack move and... in with... Yeah, they'll move in they with him. They come up with the idea that, like, we'll just move in with you, and he's like, you can't... 
And I do like the, uh, the baker's just like, you can't... No, and then he's like, fine, fuck it, yeah, let's do yeah. it, fine, okay. Yeah. And then even Cinderella's like, do you, do, you, do you think you guys would have a place for me? And I love that the idea that, like, the baker and Cinderella essentially become mom to Jack and, and, and Red, not because that happens, but I do love that this all happens without any hint of romance in between the baker and Cinderella, not even suggesting there could be romance in the future, and who knows, after a lifetime of living together, maybe they do develop feelings for each other, but at least this is, I do like, they're just friends living together, and like this weird makeshift family, it's weird that like, when you have a story like this about like a found family where it's so literal and that you've got two parents and two kids and they're still the baker son is still alive he's gonna take care of the kid too so they still have mm -hmm. a child to raise but yeah and i that's one of the last big jokes of the thing is too is when cinderella is like uh, if you have room for me i actually do sometimes enjoy cleaning which yeah. <laughs> is such a thing. <laughs> um but yeah and so that's when yeah, essentially the witch comes out. And that goes into into the woods you go again. After every now and then into the woods. And happily ever after, I wish. I do love it. It still ends with one last I wish just so the cycle always continues. No one's ever truly happy. There's no true happily ever after because there's no ever after. The story just keeps on rolling. And yeah, that's a good goddamn... A good goddamn yeah. musical. I wish Broadway wasn't so precious with their shows. They don't do this kind of thing all the you time. You mean in and... terms of tape and stuff and showing it yeah. off to people? Exactly. And they're like, no, you can only see our show if you come to New York and pay a scalper $800 yeah. or watch a 144p shaky recording done from garbage seats on YouTube. And even if it's not even to preserve the actual musical, because, if, well, you know, I guess once you've got the musical, it's always going to be out there and people could just, like, you know, relaunch their own version of the musical, but of individual performances and individual companies that put this stuff together. Like, if if someone had not had the thought in, like, 1989 to, like, hey, let's just take it, like, three days to do, do, do a taping of the original Broadway cast before everyone goes their separate ways. I mean, we talked about this last year when we talked about Hamilton. Like, this whole, aside from the handful of people who got to watch these actors all perform this during the original Broadway run for the three years that lasted... Like, we wouldn't have, like, there's all these moments that would be lost, like, tears and time, tears and rain. Like, mm -hmm. there's just, like, the specific performances of Chip Zane with, and Bernadette Peters, and just all, it's just, it's such a great mix of performers with great material and, and delightful staging, and, yeah, and I did Wolf see, Dicks. I guess they've done a couple uh, reunions and stuff like that, I guess, and if you look at video on the, on YouTube, there's like a 1997 reunion where they got everyone back together. And I guess it was still, even though it was 10 years after the, the original stage play debuted, I guess it was still soon enough after uh, the the original Broadway playhead launched that the even the guy who played the narrator, who died not too long after that, he was still around. So they really had everyone from the original cast uh, back. And I did see... Um, there was something about how the lady who played Little Red Riding Hood, I guess she wound up having kids and stuff and got sidetracked from, you know, being a Broadway performer and stuff like that. But I guess now, now that she's like 50, she's trying to get back into performing and they showed her, like, I don't know if there's an actual production of Into the Woods that she's in or if this was just like a little behind the scenes thing on something else, but they, they, they showed her, she's doing the Baker's wife parts with this other guy who's playing the Baker. But so it's kind of funny to see old Little Red Riding Hood doing the Joanna Gleason, the Baker's wife bits, and mm. kind of cute stuff like that. So I'm glad to see the original performers are still out there 
kicking and <laughs> yeah ends yeah and even aside from that 10 year reunion in 1997 there was something where they brought out the original baker and his wife more recently within the last couple years to to do you've changed there's something in the woods and you get to see them now and like you know like in 2017 as old people kind of singing that same song to each other and it's very endearing and they both still have their singing chops and it's still cool and yeah that's good yeah hey into the woods is good who knew yeah i don't well, know if i'll ever I don't not know. every version of end of the woods is good but the original version <laughs> ain't nothing like a terrible version of a great thing just to make you appreciate the good version of that that thing that much more but god mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if i could that that rob marshall into the woods is so fucking depressed i no you don't ever need I to can't see even it, why i, took the, I my... took the bullet for both of us bill <laughs> is that, that was the first time you'd ever seen it right no i saw it in theaters okay that's right we talked about that last time so thank mm -hmm. you so much for your Oof, my dude. sacrifice <laughs> Your sac it really is a sacrifice meanwhile you were doing that and i was watching uh before sunrise yesterday instead so mm -hmm. oh my god so what else? how long have we i've not even been paying attention how long have we been recording for is this a whole episode an hour we and 15 yeah we got a time more we could talk about mario golf or something oh uh at the mm. very last thing i do like the fact that you know their agony song the reprise of agony which we didn't we mentioned briefly but yeah. is about how they found two new princesses and they're both pining for <laughs> oh, them I forgot the point. Oh, and, so and yeah snow white I, found... I like at the very end they come out and they say the harder to wake the better to have and they each have one has sleeping beauty and one has snow white and they yawn and say excuse me that's... That's, it's so so with two completely you know, I mean they were probably understudies for the other princesses but or something yeah but like it's they a have great their own it's a great cast. button for that whole yeah. that whole thing. I love this goddamn thing. It is fun. Yeah, they even get credit in the cast and everything like that. Like, it's, yeah, it's Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. And, yeah. I, I think the first time I saw that, I didn't even catch... Like, of course, when they're singing about, like, dwarfs. And I was like, okay, that's Sleeping... Or that's Snow White. But I didn't even uh, catch the fact that it's supposed to be Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Until seeing the end credits. But, like, what's your thing with dwarfs? <laughs> it's just such, like... Yeah, I guess... Well, I guess dwarfs, the, the, dwarfs. The joke is... One 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 prince has a thing with blood. The other one has a thing with yeah. And I do love even the correction where he's like, "What's your thing with dwarves?" And he's like, "Dwarfs," like very specific mm -hmm. pronunciation. It's not dwarves. It's dwarfs. There are they're really upsetting. I feel bad for any little people in the audience. Yeah, but yeah, no fucking. I've even grown to love agony, which that was the one song where I was like, "Man, you could have cut twenty minutes out of this whole musical if you just cut out <laughs> both performances of agony." But even then, well, it's also funny too because that. The second performance of Agony is so much about how, like, they're competing with each other about how much more sad they are than the other guy, too. So even even in the song where they're talking about how sad they are, they're, they're still competing against each other. And yeah, I did notice that the one who is the actual Prince of the Kingdom does have the more uh, military medals and shit like that, too. Which, yeah, you know, I never noticed that until you pointed that out in the last episode, so. So, also... I did start to watch Sundays in the Park with George. The oh the, no, what happened? The, no, it's fine. The That's recording, okay. the the one with uh, Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters. That's yeah. I think, I think that's the version that my friends threatened me with after we finished this. They <laughs> threatened you with. I I'm kind of. Uh, how did it's you find fine. a copy of that? It's fine. It it's on YouTube. It it's, on YouTube. A, it's just a little slow and a little. I dry was a little and... weird because yeah, in one of the. Things... I mean, it's about it's about. Uh, French painter 
Jose Siwat, whatever the yeah. guy, he's the, the one that dude, painted he the... made the dot painting that, yeah, uh, the dot painting from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off that fucking Cameron's staring at and loses his mm-hmm. goddamn mind with. In fact, actually, is that not called Sunday in the Park with George? That's the name of that painting? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming the play must be about everyone in that. A painting. Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande. Is Mandy Patekin, is he George? George yeah. Surratt. He's he's George. He's George, which is interesting because that probably probably one of the either the first thing he did before or after uh, being in uh, the Princess Bride. But yeah, oh, watching yeah again going back and looking at Sondheim talking about like the one of the few things I saw about the actual creation of Into the Woods was he was talking about well we had just we had just made Sunday in the Park with George together, but we wanted to make something funny this time, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> don't as much as I love Into the Woods. Like hearing that, like, like that's not funny, even to the creators. I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I have the patience for that. Yeah, right like now, I said, but... it's a little dry. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you could put on in the background and glance over every now and then when you want okay. to see Bernadette Peters in a corset. So you know. Oh yeah, who does she play in the in, in that? She plays. Is she just there to be titty meat decoration? She's no. just like, yeah, hey, I'm Bernadette Peters. <laughs> She's. I'm not sure <laughs> exactly, even though I watched like. <laughs> good chunk of it she's She's just there she's just she's pining for george she's a model he's painting but also trying to date him or she is dating him or they're together i don't know there's some some implications that he's uh homosexual i don't know i i didn't watch it intently so okay yeah but it seemed fine, yeah. I guess. And also hearing about what a prick Mandy Patinkin was then supposedly kind of makes me a little more like you and my... Mm. Um, yeah. When someone has to come out and apologize for 30 years of behavior at the end of their career, is always a little bit like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the hell did you do to people there, buddy? At least it wasn't. doesn't sound, sound like he was a sex pest. It sounds like he was just, the, just an asshole. asshole. I don't yeah. know if that's inherently any better, but... Oh God! But yeah, into the woods. It's good time. I recommend again. It's 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 on YouTube for free. So, if you are yeah. insane enough to have watched, to have listened to this without having watched Into the Woods, oh my God! I would Heaven's love to see someone try to pr- put on a performance of Into the Woods only going by how we've described it here. <laughs> oh, it would it'd be, be a disaster. A, it'd be a goddamn fucking nightmare. Even if you had the oil of Olivier. And it had the best actors in the world put this on. It would just be like a schizophrenic mess. Mm-hmm. Oh god! But yeah, children will listen. Yeah, how is how is this as a parent? Like, uh, does this fine. have any extra it's... meaning for you now that you have your own thumb? Not, not really yet, because he's not old enough for that to like. Oh, okay. Although he is like young enough that like you know whatever you do is gonna be. I mean, it gets yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. It's always gonna be an impression. Like, yeah, I mean, you've 30% less racist tirades, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've really toned those back. You know what? Because you've grown up such a Mario fan, he's going to turn out to be such a Sonic fan. You've My de- you've son. You've him for life. I got the PS4 downstairs, and it turns it on sometimes, and he asked me to play Sonic Mania every oh, now no. and then. Oh, that Sonic Mania is a good game. That's what people say. I hate well, Sonic. That is bad. It is say, not fun to play. It is I a bought bad that because people were like, Sonic Mania is the best Sonic game since like Sonic 2. And I was like, fine, fuck it. I'll buy it. See what the... And I got like five minutes and I'm like, God damn, fuck it. I hate Sonic. Control yeah, Sonic like is... A- Sonic is bad. It is like, bad to... It takes it is forever bad to, to get to speed up and he just crashes and... 
It's, it's just, just how it's the first wanna... time playing a level you never know what's coming, so you're constantly yeah! running into shit. It's Especially awful. I hate Sonic. On HD screens, you think they could take advantage of the fact that like you've got more visual real estate, but even then it still doesn't hmm. No, Sonic is bad and John's always like, You wanna play it for me? And I'm like, No, Sonic, I the... don't. Sonic is still the RC Cola of video game characters where like you only like that because that's what you grew up with and it's all your parents yeah. can afford. Mm -hmm. This from a former poor kid, I could like fucking. Oh, I hate Sonic. They're bad games. They're bad people, games. I people just... like to say like oh back when Sonic God. was good, and I want to be like, no, no, that <laughs> especially Sonic just had did. his 30th anniversary this week, and I was reading up on the history of Sonic and all the things they did to make him, and just Ooga Gooba, no Ooga Gooba. Ooga, I mean, I guess we could do Sonic the Hedgehog someday for the podcast. No, no, I played no. Sonic Adventure one and two. So it's not like those I've are... never played Sonic games. And those were terrible. Yeah. God, those were bad games. The best. Those, even, <laughs> the those best... are supposed to be the good ones. The best Sonic games. Fans <laughs> can say, yeah, they're okay. That's as good as it gets. The best Sonic game is Smash Brothers, and that's. I have that's... never heard a Sonic fan say that game is amazing. They say, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Won't kill you. Won't cause that's breast a Sonic cancer. fan. Oh Ugh. God. <laughs> Oh, this episode just all into the woods and then suddenly just random bashing on Sonic the Hedgehog. Because I, I don't... I've been Part stewing on the fact that I've been playing Sonic Mania and I hate <laughs> it so much for a couple you know weeks what? and I haven't gotten to bitch about it. You need to see if Balan Wonderworld is free yet. No, just to see, I don't. Because no. supposedly that game was designed for kids <laughs> your son's age. That'd be the ultimate litmus test to see if that... Because everything, everyone making fun of it is not part of the target demographic for that game. If you really wanted to sync that game, what you do is you put a three-year-old in front of it and be like, okay, does even a three-year-old think this game is bullshit? No, he's going to be raised on good stuff, not bad. <laughs> thank no, God. Thank you. Oh, my God. How's this Transformer fixation coming along? Uh, he's not on Transformers. He's all about planets right now and still oh, into Lego that's... Mario's. Okay. That's, I'm glad to see, for as expensive as the Lego Mario stuff can be, I'm glad to see you still into that stuff. Mm -hmm. Planets, that's, not even specifically space, but just the planets. Yeah. Just yeah. the planets, really, right now. All cool. about. All oh, that's about right, because we anus. did, we did get him say Uranus on the podcast. I no, he didn't say that. Uranus, he said my anus. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love you. I love you and, he, and your kid and everything. He, he says penis instead of Venus. And he says, this is my penis. And it's like, yeah, but that's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> Children okay. will listen. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. you want to wrap it so up? That was End of the Woods. Next week, it's 300 episode. Yeah, it sounds like gonna... Daniel's got plans. I have no yeah, idea what we're doing. Plans. Yeah, you can come in blind. It's completely fine. You don't need to do no research or nothing. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah Oof, I do. Yeah, it'll be oh, it should fine. be a good time. Yeah, yeah. I might so, go back and re-listen to some episodes this week just for shits and giggles. And no, don't. <sighs> yeah, it'll be a good time to break out the old intro music next week too. Mm. Like, yeah, uh, we've had some people talk about like that intro music and and like they'll talk about how in like the original episodes. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it has been since like I started using different intro music like after like episode fifty. And it's funny to think that's been so long now. That's like that's only like a very small fraction of all the episodes we've actually recorded. So, mm -hmm. and back when that like I switched up the music, I switched it up just as I was like afraid of people would get tired of the same intro music every week. And I was thinking, well, well, the podcast should be wrapping up. How how much more episodes can we ever record anyway? <laughs> so, like yeah. as we're wrapping up the podcast, I'll just like mess around the format a little bit. And that was like four, that was two hundred fifty episodes ago. So, yeah. 
I love it. Yeah, love, we love, it. love, love it. Okay. Yep. So we got a, that was into the woods. Actually, three hundred episodes. Uh, he's Mother on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Tardy Podcast Twitter. Tardy Share us around. Whatever you know. Get out there. Synergize. Uh, uh, whatever other buzzwords you want to use. It's uh, eleven thirty a.m. and it's already ninety-eight degrees outside. So. Oh, H. Christ! Yeah, as we're recording this, uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest is baking under triple-digit heat. Record-breaking triple-digit heat. Yeah, you're it's not, supposed oh, to get Jesus up to 114 today. Yeah, 114 in the Pacific fucking Northwest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad to see power held out long enough for us to record because yeah, we already had an outage yesterday from everyone using all their ACs and fans and shit like that. So, yeah, hopefully we'll survive long enough. I can post this episode in, in two weeks from now as we record. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, I got nothing else. Nothing else. Got nothing else. We can do. Get the heck out of here. Uh, we gotta go take nappies. Yeah, careful. You know, yeah. You're gonna have to go take a nap. What people do will tell you, read you a bedtime story. Those bedtime stories start with, Once upon a time, there was a podcast. Blum. Once upon a time. Blum. Blum, 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 blum. Yeah. Oh, yes, the I wish thing came from. Sondheim was also talking about the whole I wish motif. The da-da, I wish mm-hmm. came from the He was like, oh, yeah, I know. I, since it was going to be fairy tales, I was going to start the story off with, you know, once upon a time. But he's like, the moment you say once upon a time in a story in a crowded theater, everyone's going to start dozing off because it's it's a bedtime story. So everyone's going to get cozy. So he's like, oh, I need something loud that'll shock people awake. So the moment someone right after he says once upon a time, I wish like he was mm. like, I need some kind of big spiky musical thing I can use to like keep the audience awake. So. Um, if I had been smart, I would have let you drone, and then I would have just said, I wish, and then ended the podcast, because that's how the musical ends, but I didn't do that, so I fucked it up, so. The Yay! End. 299 <laughs> episodes! Perfect track record! <laughs> Yay! Thank you guys for being on our journey with us, so. Yay! Okay, we'll see you guys next Yay. week, then. Adios! I wish! <laughs> Great. Someone is on your side